finale episode about erotica yeah we have chosen to go on a very dark journey a dark scandalous sexual scary terrifying freaky journey sexist (laughs) journey it was a bit of a sexist journey internalized misogyny yes maybe I, i don't know i think yes i think definitely and also externalized oh yeah it was the Worst of both worlds. And the best. And the best. Um, okay, so now we're done. Last week we talked about Justine by the Marquis de Sade. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but the Marquis has been on my mind. Oh, the Marquis will be on my mind for the rest of my life. I feel like Justine was like a life-changing book. I feel the same way, and I also have to admit that I have um, unwillingly engaged numerous people in conversations about the marquee that I don't think that they wanted to hear. They needed to hear it. I think so, too, and I feel like it's my job to share you it is that's why we have this podcast it's this is an educational podcast <laughs> yeah we should file it under education it is and people don't know enough about the marquis de Sade. they don't no. know they're like oh yeah he's some old pervert well i think a lot of people actually don't also know that he was a real man or that he wasn't like a yeah that he wasn't just like some pervert in a dungeon which is essentially what he was yes but the dungeon was a mental hospital and a jail Yes, and a and a fucked up jail. Something the best uh, deal. A, what's the best deal? What they stormed for the. Oh, uh, oh, he was in there, and he would shout out the window like, "They're killing us in here! You have to storm the best deal!" And then they did it. Y- yes, they did <laughs> because I, he loved you know anarchy, and he hated fucking his station in life, and he just wanted to go to jail and be a Republican. Small R. Yes, a Republican and a practicing libertine. And but a libertine. I thought it was really actually interesting. Um, maybe did we talk about this last week that he was he was a member of the ruling class and he was imprisoned for how like fucked up he was. Yeah. But it was the French Revolution that ended up freeing him. Well, then uh yeah but like napoleon was the one who ended up like sending him back so like his first yes his his first stint yeah his first stint was he went to a brothel and did some sordid things not exactly clear but it definitely involved whips it involves like probably whips and sodomy they um uh did you read the introduction introduction to angela carter's book the Sadian woman, the Saudian woman. I don't know if I read the. I mean, I read the whole thing. So if it's if if they talk, if she talks about it in the introduction, then yes, I guess. 
she gives kind of she gives a whole life story of him in the introduction. Yeah. Well, I read where she talks about his first stint in prison and then when the prostitute like brings him down the second time. Yeah. And she uh, she says that like he was one of the first modern criminals and that he was imprisoned not for what he did, but for his imagination. Uh, Okay, so this week you and I both read segments. I read segments. You read the entire book. Yeah. Of the Saudian woman by Angela Carter. Yeah. Which um, I thought was pretty awesome. Oh, my God. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I thought it was so good. I. I really love her voice and her point of view. She, She's like funny and like sardonic, sardonic, and sadistic. I know her. She is like this is the perfect material for her. It and is good. I know her um, as like a short story writer. Yeah, she did those uh, like the Bloody Chamber. I think is her famous thing, like a reimagining of Bluebeard and some other fairy tales. Yeah, she has like a book of like fairy tales, like reimagined. That's yes, much like longer than this, and different from. The Anne Rice fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, but she tells the biography of Marquis de Sade in her introduction to this book. And I thought it was actually pretty sympathetic. Oh, it was totally. Sim- I mean, I, I don't think that this is like a takedown of Sade. I think that she's like analyzing him. But yes. I, I don't think that she's like. Um, I mean, I, maybe it's just because like I'm so pro Sade that like when people talk about him, I'm just like, oh, yes, like all of his good works that he did (laughs) um she talks about him in jail and she talks about that but she starts with um this really like kind of feminist rant that he went on in uh Juliet the sequel to Justine um and it's in the beginning and then she also puts it in later so it obviously was I'm trying to find it but she uh she definitely isn't like anti anti sod no i think that she is treating him seriously as like an intellectual and a novelist whose works are influential and significant and deserve critical analysis and thoughtful 20th century feminist critical analysis and i think that she takes him as a critic of the um like aristocracy of the time and uh kind of like privilege gone amok which is exactly what he is yeah and he's kind of weird because he seems really aware of his station and he's like criticizing his own station yeah and the system that allows him to get away with the fucked up stuff that he is putting on yeah and it other people and it's weird because he's weird because he would be allowed to get away with it if he just shut the fuck up about it. Like this kind of stuff was going on all the time. And it wasn't that Saad was like such a pervert. It was that he made a big show of all of his bullshit. Yeah. I forget who says it, but there's somebody like, um, like he didn't invent, he didn't invent sadism. He, his action, like his visibility gave a name to things that had been going on. He didn't invent it. But his sexual appetites and his sexual actions and definitely his writings were all so class conscious. And like to have the kind of sexual deviances that he had, you needed to basically be wealthy and exploit the poor. Sophisticated. 
and and like just money like be a different class to to feed off the weak it's like the strong feeding off the weak and the strong are the rich and the weak are the poor and he and men are strong and women are weak and he fed off basically poor women yes but uh, an interesting point that she makes um is that he treats women as sexual beings who like are capable of experiencing pleasure. She says something about how like sod knew about the clitoris, like hundreds of years, <laughs> like before. Did you read that part? I mean, I read some stuff about the clitoris in this book. Yeah. I just think that that is like an added complication. Um, n- not that like be, find, being able to find a clip makes you a hero, but like, <laughs> I mean, it definitely helps. It definitely, yeah, of course, it puts you on the right track <laughs> to heroic action. I mean, that's part of the checklist. Yeah, <laughs> Captain America better be able. Do you think he knows? I don't think he. Does. I don't think any of. The, I think all those Marvel characters are like um, s- smooth, like Ken dolls down there. Yeah, I think they like. Maybe if they do anything, I think they kiss like 1940s movie stars and then maybe they like rub their smooth you don't nethers think, like, against each other. Tony Stark is like Mr. Gray, like Mr. Tony Stark <laughs> will see you now. And then he like fucks Gwyneth Paltrow in the red room. That's the reality I want to think happens i know i mean i guess i just can't see those two dynamo performers on one screen without going there in my mind yeah um i i don't know maybe maybe not i just the all that stuff is so sexless to me because it's for you know it's like it's for children yeah exactly oh sorry i just found the um i just found this like sod quote charming sex you will be free just as men do you shall enjoy all your pleasures that nature makes your duty do not withhold yourself from one must the more divine half of mankind be kept in chains by others ah break those bonds nature wills it oh yeah 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 i think um i think that i uh read that out loud (laughs) to my husband while i was reading this good (laughs) (laughs) that's what keeps marriage strong reading sod aloud yeah i did that a lot while we were reading justine and i i I mentioned this before i talked to a lot of unwilling people and uh somebody asked me well some people didn't think that he was like a real actual figure a little people didn't really didn't think he ever lived yeah i talked to a couple people who didn't think he actually lived and then i was um telling a friend about him and about the book that we read and 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 i was like i think people should oh he said uh is there anything of value to it (gasps) yes yeah and i was i was like yes absolutely i think that i i actually think people should read it i think that there is a ton of value to it and like your name doesn't become a word in the dictionary if you have nothing of value to contribute to society yes But I think the point he was making was, and this is a point that my mother would make about like violent movies and like, you know, at what point does it become a how-to? Never. Never? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. You don't think that people watch like, you, Justine never becomes a how-to, like Saw doesn't become a how-to. But do you think that, okay, I... I am drawing a line from Saad to Story of O to, like, 
the type like to pornography in general and are you talking but if you're talking about it does reading sod is reading sod a how-to manual on like how to have sex i would say never no. i would say that about sex i would say that like 50 shades of gray would could serve as like fodder for someone's imagination i don't think that even really becomes a how-to how-to i think like Anything you could be like, ooh, I want to do that. But I don't know that that would necessarily make it a how-to. I just feel like I've been reading um, pieces about younger people. Like, like sex education becomes so bad. And then they watch pornography. And they look at that like as a guide for how to have sex. And I feel like, I don't know, there's something, there's something to that. And if people like do people read like American Psycho and they're like oh that guy's good (laughs) I mean maybe probably but like I mean I I feel like people can like take all kinds of art in all kinds of ways like this is the our conversation about the Joker movie people are like oh it shouldn't come out because it's gonna like make the incels even worse like maybe it fucking will I don't know I don't care about DC movies but like I I just like you know if you it, I think that like a teenage boy who's going to be bad at sex, maybe like on some like fundamental level right here, we can point our finger at the Marquis de Sade. But I don't think like it's because like he read Justine and he's like, aha, I've got it. I'm going to like whip a virgin and like tie her in a monastery and like rape her with my monk friends. Yes. I, yeah, of course. I don't. I don't think that uh, a teenage boy is going to do that. Or like Fifty Shades of Grey either. Like I, that's his mom is going to be reading that. He's no, watching Red Tube and I. Um, I think like m- th- these are a couple different things. Like I do think that people watch pornography and it ends up becoming more of like an educational tool than we would want it to be. Like in general, I think that culturally that is something that's happening with younger people, uh, or maybe even older people. I don't know, <laughs> um, but. I think because his book is so political and like his arguments are so well thought out, I think that if you were like, who's that psychotic neo-Nazi who works for Trump, who looks like a hawk? The young one? Yes, who looks ancient. He's Uh, like from Long Beach. Stephen Miller. Yes, thank you. This book, in a sense, reinforces the worldview of somebody like him oh i totally don't think so you don't think so no the idea of like power and like the weak are weak and like if we just do like we can get away with whatever we can get away with and god will forgive us and like we can move on like well i chosen people well first of all i think he's an atheist i don't think that there's like a religious aspect to it and i think he's like there is no god and so nothing matters i also think that sod is satirizing himself and satirizing the world that he lives in. I think so too. Like, I don't think that he's, I mean, look, people can take whatever meaning they want from a book like this. And I'm sure that if like some Trumpian bastard read it, they would be like, yeah, like I like, that's right. Like put women in their places or whatever. But I don't think that's, that was the intention. And that's not the meaning that I get from it. Um, yeah, to be clear, it's not the meaning that I get from it. I thought it was really funny. I thought so too. And I thought, well, at a certain point it made me really sad and I actually kind of wanted to cry about it. I was like laying in bed thinking about Justine, just like not having any tenderness in her life. And I got like very overwhelmed. (laughs) 
I yeah, I I felt that way too. But Justine is like such a, it's such a she's such a two dimensional figure, and the argument that I think that um, Carter makes in this book, and I think Saad's ultimate argument, the desire to be a virtuous person, is just as vile and selfish as the desire to inflict pain on people that people have a like a solipsistic drive that is um just very like self focused and selfish and that her her virtue is only because she thinks that she's going to be rewarded at some point. It's not because she's doing what she wants, which is the philosophy of like a libertine. Yeah. It's because she's doing what she thinks she'll be rewarded for. Yeah. Everybody's results driven. Yeah. And I mean, I, that's why I think this is just sort of a farce. It's kind of obviously, you know that it's sad to think of like Justine and like there's a lot of sexual violence that happens to Justine yes. and um it's definitely like played for laughs and it's like very dark and I wouldn't recommend this book to everybody or even most people but weirdly I would I feel like people actually should read it I don't I just think that a lot of people I know would be like really uncomfortable reading it I wouldn't tell them they should read it yeah I guess that's right I went to um <laughs> but I feel like discomfort is like instructive and valuable and like it's safe when it's like in the form of a book like you can close it and it's like it's a finite thing and it's done I mean there were definitely parts in Justine which I read the sh the slim version yeah where I was like I can't even read this right now like some of it was just so grotesque I was just disgusted by it yeah I felt the same way in the extended version that the last um like the finale uh, before she gets hit by lightning. Struck by lightning, <laughs> which I said before. In, in, so he rewrote this story over and over again. Like, the, So he wrote like three versions of Justine in his lifetime. And then he also wrote this book, Juliet, which is like the sequel about her sister. And But it... Oh, Who you said was a depraved whore? She's a depraved... Yes, she's like a sexual deviant who like is constantly like getting pregnant and like cause it giving herself abortions which was like punishable by death at the time she's killing How her own children themselves abortions back then i don't know there was because i didn't read that book i just read the oh. i just read uh in there's a, a section of this angela carter book that's like dedicated to it do you remember in virgin suicides when did you read virgin suicides i did do you remember uh in the the book i don't think this made it in the movie but um Lux, uh, who's played in the movie by Kirsten Dunst, she is like very sexually active and she's like having sex with guys on the roof. Yeah. And she like has a collection of like mustards oh, and yeah. like acidic things. To, like that, douche. Yeah. yeah. And there is like something that high acidity like can terminate a pregnancy. The home abortion market is something i like to stay far away from yeah we all yeah we all should i but don't something know. i remember from that book is that like an aside that um like when new people move into the house they'll like come up to the roof and like find an assortment of condiments yeah and like wonder if they were making sandwiches up there yeah that's an image that has always lingered with me for the 20 I, years since i've read that book i really like that book i loved that book i love the relationship between that book and the movie yeah it's like masculine and feminine i like the movie too yeah i like that whole thing i think i so auditioned too. to be the young sister 
I remember you telling me that a long time ago. It was a really weird audition. How? It was just like, it was the very first. I mean, like, I don't know if it was like an open call or like something really close to it. Cause I didn't like have an agent or anything. It was just like my acting class, like got notices about it. So it must've been like an open call. And so my mom took me and my mom was like really like unsure about the whole thing. And she was like, I don't think we want to do this. Like she kept telling me like, I don't think you want to do this. And all of the girls in the room with me it was like the only audition I'd ever really been on except for when I was like really young and it was just these girls that were like my age I think I was like 10 and these girls who were or maybe 12 but they were like had like long like bleach blonde hair to their butts and they were wearing like daisy dukes and like they were just dressed like so much older than I was ever allowed to dress and like so like adult and sexual um and I just remember looking at them and being like I do not belong here like this is I can't believe that there are girls my age who even look like this and then we left and my mom was like it was not good she was like I asked them what it was about I think it was called suicidal virgins and it's about a bunch of sisters who all kill themselves (laughs) and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) well and I she love was that movie. Kind of right. Yeah, she's kind of mm. right. Yeah. Wow. I bet you would have been perfect. A perfect mix. I think I would have been good. Because I, yes. I had like similar like coloring, but I was like more natural than the other girls who were auditioning, which I think is what they wanted for the for the youngest one who jumps off, jumps onto the fence. Oh, right, right. Is she the one who says, obviously, doctor, you've never been a teenage girl? I think so. Yeah. The classic line from that movie. I don't remember anything about the audition, so... I mean, that's I good. That's how like, you know it was a good audition. I, I just remember the waiting room. Like getting a fugue state. And my mom, yeah, I know. I was just like, because I was like a young method actor. My acting class was like, <laughs> you we, like killed yourself. We did like Stanislavski and like Strasburg method. Yes, we would do like, like those pictures of like Marilyn Monroe with Strasburg, like in the chairs, like <laughs> bending over and going like, and like getting in the, getting like in her body and stuff. Like we did all of that. And then we would be like, do like visualizations and like, try to like literally drive ourselves insane uh, that's pulling perfect. from life did you get into a chorus line as a child uh we never did a chorus line anywhere oh like did I get into the play yeah did you like oh I thought you meant like did you ever get into oh yeah did you ever get into <laughs> no, a production no. of it no uh yeah I got I was like a kind of a musical head when I was like in like eighth grade was when it really that's hit perfect me. Yeah. yeah and I liked those kind I liked chorus line Rocky Horror. Like, I like oh, the weird, yeah. like, I like the edgy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Chicago. Culture. Cabaret. Oh, yeah. Sweet Charity. Sweet Charity. Guys and, I, I mean, I still like Guys and Dolls. Yeah. Guys and I Dolls. I was a virgin suicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> West Side Story. I always loved West Side Story. Um, I, it just reminds me of that, uh, song from a chorus line of that, like, um, be a something ice cream cone. Do you remember that? And I dug right down to the bottom of myself. Oh, yeah. To see what I'm yeah. Like, so I dug right down to the da 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 to see what I like. And, and I tried. And there was like nothing. Wasn't it like there's like nothing there? There was nothing. Am I just making that up? No, no, you're right. I oh, told man. him nothing. I have a friend who listens to this podcast who's like really like a legitimate musical theater person. Oh, and we're going to get is, added. If he hears this, 
he, that'll be the last one I can guarantee you. <laughs> oh no, we yeah. love it. We love I it. Know. Okay, so this kind of brings us back around to um, talking about Juliet. I guess. And you <laughs> you said something uh, earlier, three ideas ago, that reminded me of a quote from Angela Carter that I wrote down. Okay. Which is that, and I quote, a free woman and an unfree society will be a monster. Yes. Which I thought was a really great articulation of that idea. And this is like another one of... She is, I think she's really brilliant in this book and um, the way that she approaches Desaad and like the plight of women and like looking at this from the feminist movement in the late 1970s, early 80s, like she just, uh, she has like a very modern look at his work and how it affects women or presents women and yeah and like how it affected like art and society and did you get to the did you read the part about marilyn monroe no so she talks about is that in juliet uh i mean she's definitely referring it may have been in the part about juliet justine is this like eternal character that like keeps on getting like played over and over again and that marilyn was a was a justine because she had to be this like doe-eyed super sexual being who was totally oblivious to her sexual like her sexuality and like um the things that were like attractive about her but like when it came down to it you had to believe that she was virtuous um and there was something about like she because she was on the screen she was permanently a virgin even if she was getting raped by uh 2000 sets of eyeballs a day Oh my god! I know that's so. I feel like um, Joyce Carol Oates. Uh, in did her you read bo- that? Blonde. Yes, I didn't I read did. it. It's. Brutal. I love her though. I love her too. They're making a film about it. Oh really? Yeah, I know they made like a TV movie. Maybe I don't know, fifteen years ago, but they're doing a movie. I found the spot of um, about Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Uh, she says um, <laughs> the cultural product of this tension was the good bad girl, the blonde buxom unfortunate sorority of Saint Justine whose most notable martyr is Marilyn Monroe. See how alike they look. Marilyn Monroe, the living image of Justine, both have huge, appealing, eloquent eyes, the open windows of the soul. Their dazzling, fair skins are of such a delicate texture that they look as if they will bruise at a touch, carrying the exciting stigmata of sexual violence for a long time. And that is why gentlemen prefer blondes. Oh, my God. I mean, like, it is, yeah. And she she goes on for, she talks about, like, all of, like, she talks about a lot of like 20th century stars. She talks about Mae West and um, like Jean Harlow and just a, she talks about a lot of actresses um, and like Marilyn is being sort of like, you know, obviously the most the biggest one. Yeah. Garbo and Dietrich. Yes. Greta Garbo and Monroe, Dietrich and DiMaggio, Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean. On the cover of a magazine. Oh, yeah. I almost said, like, all dressed up on a magazine because I smoked pot. Sorry. I (laughs) fucked it up. Um, But, yeah. And, yeah. She's a... That's a Juliet. Madonna. Madonna? Oh, totally. We should go through pop culture people and be like, Juliet or Justine. I mean... Taylor Britney Swift. Spears. Taylor Swift is a Justine. Taylor Swift is a Justine, but in real life, she's obviously a Juliet pretending to be a Justine. Totally. And... That's yeah, Brittany. That Jul- uh, Justine. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Aguilera. Uh, she's kind of out of it. Uh, she's, she's out of the game. Like a, I what? guess Justine, because that's the default. Ariana Grande. Juliet. Uh, what about Kesha? Just, just. She was a Juliet who be who ter- was really a Justine. I think she was a pretending to be a Juliet, but she was a Justine. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, so this week, a very provocative, allegedly provocative piece came out in the cut. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe you're talking about this. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking. OK, we're talking about uh, the piece about Caroline Calloway. Yeah. And so by the time you listen to this, you probably It'll won't even news. like You'll know like, who that what? is. Who? Yeah. What was Firefest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have forgotten the thing that happened like a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> but not until like three weeks but not for, uh, for three weeks yeah so if you haven't read this cut in, or this piece in the cut it's um about a small time influencer who is yeah. a bad friend yeah basically she had this friend who was kind of her ghostwriter, but like her ghostwriter for free and they went on european trips together and kind of were always fighting and uh I guess the friend felt like taken advantage of or something. And so she wrote this article about how like I was her ghostwriter and like, she's really crazy and she's addicted to Adderall and she took my words and um, she like didn't pay. She needed to pay her like advance back for her book. Oh, and she bought followers. Yeah. She bought a ton of followers. She just like, you know, it's like a tell all about like how shitty this girl actually is. Yes. Just like throw her on the pile of like low level Instagram. you know influencer grifters yeah i feel like it's not exactly rarefied air at this point i also feel like she's not really that much of a grifter oh because that's the thing she had this um thing she wanted to do where it was like a i don't know like a convention yes like a girl boss rally or like a girl boss rally and she would be there and she would tell you how to live your best life and like give you salad and you know you'd have like just a bunch you'd like hang out and learn from her and a lot of these influencer girls do this and they're always like really expensive and they get people to do it i don't know who does it yeah i i don't have that kind of disposable cash i don't understand but she anyway she it was like the fire fest of influencer girl boss rallies because she couldn't pull it off and like had all these mason jars she had to fill. yeah there were a bunch of and then they were like she is the empty mason jar of influencer culture which actually means nothing but it, whatever i mean yeah, influencer culture in itself is, is an, an empty, empty mason, mason jar. It's so like obviously, so it's she's snake not is eating its own tail. Like exactly, like what are you reading that's so profound on there? Are you stupid? Like that should be the question. <laughs> I mean, like what are you getting out of it? <laughs> that's like so much better than what she's doing. You know what I mean? It's yes. like I'm not defending her. I'm like insulting you. <laughs> not you who are listening, like other people. <laughs> I mean, not everybody can be an Anna Delvey. I mean, no, like that is a fucking scammer, you right? Inspire to Firefest is a scam. Yes, this is, these are and then they, of course, those fucking scams. Blood Lady, yes. with a deep voice, yes. That of Elizabeth course, Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. That's a massive scam. That's like a true crime. <laughs> I 
mean, <laughs> really. But this girl, like, being like, I was too high on Adderall and I fucked up and, like, I can't deliver yeah, on these, Yeah, a thousand like, people like my pictures of macarons. Like, who? It's like, come on. Right, like, this is not on. a scam. Give it's, me something to chew on. It's a fucking Thursday <laughs> night in America, all right? It's not a scam. Yeah. It's all that's going on. You're going to have to walk a lot of miles to impress these old bitches. Yes. Okay, so Aggie sent me a beautiful little meme that I think maybe she made. Yeah, um, on, the Kindle, on the Kindle now, you can like make memes of like any. This quote is what you this want. is. Yes, I saved it directly. I like tried to save it in my notes, <laughs> and it gave me the option of like, of like quote like picture quote and then i got like all these different like you they're like different um formats you can make like quotes of it was really cool i was like the day that this podcast goes up we should post this photo on the instagram because i was like where did you find this this is so specific yes I okay made it. so here is the thing quote and i quote so the virtuous justine is condemned to spend a life in which there is not one single moment of enjoyment only in this way can she retain her virtue, whereas the wicked Juliet, her sister and antithesis, dehumanizes herself completely in the pursuit of pleasure. And she writes, Caroline and Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> because I was, this is what upset me so much about this fucking stupid story, is like... This girl, did you read the article? Yeah, of course. Okay, so she's like, I read more of that article than <laughs> Angela. I read your piece on Justine. I didn't read the rest of your book, oh, no. but I loved it. I ordered it. I'm going to read it on vacation. Oh my god, me. it's so good. I loved it. Okay, anyway, what a boss. Um, oh, you're a genius. Uh, no, she's dead. She is dead, but she was a genius. Yeah, she um, should be up there. I I feel like people should be talking about her. I do too. What is going on? You know what? I'm sorry. I just started to pour the wine, but then I had a thought and I. Okay. I feel like there is such a. Um, I feel like she falls under the banner of maybe second wave feminists. And I yeah. feel like there's a bit of like malignancy that is associated. Yes. With, yes. with them, which yeah. is like very. A completely like valid and earned which is that they were not intersectional right and that, like very concerned with the plight of like upper middle class like white women which is true absolutely however there was like a lot of important work that came out of that period and like anything it's dangerous to just across the board be like none of this is valid yes and i think that maybe she falls under that she definitely does and like while i was reading this there were things that were like not like severely like problematic i thought but just like bumped up against um like the gender binary in a way like a very like binary look at like women are like this and men are like this and women are women because of their bodies and their bodies make them be like and it's yeah. just stuff that like i i don't it's just like not the way people really talk anymore about gender so i can see why that would be kind of just like not like a tough barrier of entry for some yeah and and it's also just like you're like oh it's just like another thing to consider. But there are other really good points just about like how women are treated that are valid. Oh, I think that this is really such good. an incredible piece of writing. It's amazing. And it's like it's worth um, suspending your, you know, judgment for for those things, because something that I kept noticing is that 
a lot of the writing that she does assumes that only men consume pornography. And I think that maybe that was true of that time period, but that's not necessarily true of today. And it's uh, like kind of a narrow view of something like that. Narrow. Yeah. Um, Right. And also, I mean, I don't know if this, how much this has to do with it, but like the time that she's talking about the gender, well actually you know at the end of Juliet I read there's this man and he's telling her his sexual fantasies which this is like the grand finale of the whole book he's gonna get married in the morning then later that day he's gonna dress like a bride and and he's gonna marry a woman who's dressed like a man and then she is gonna do the exact same thing as he's doing it but she's gonna have to marry women or something and it's like they keep they're gonna like trade genders over and over again while they're getting married and marry like men dressed as women and women marrying women and then women marrying women who are dressed as men like all these different combinations and then they're gonna um like then they're gonna go and kill their actual children (laughs) 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 and like that's his actual fantasy and so that's their sexual fantasy yeah so they do it so it's like this total I bet that's a lot of parents sexual fantasy i mean i don't know i don't know. think they want it to admit just it seems like a lot of bad <laughs> it just like i mean with the marriage like first they're gonna have like a day of like weird weddings and then just kill i don't know so like i think the point is it's like the ultimate perversion of marriage because like they're getting married over and over again like they're doing it in like this like satanic way and then instead of like giving birth they're like killing their kids so it's like they're doing like a total like opposite marriage opposite day (laughs) and like that was supposed to be like really fucked up in the book yeah Um, it sounds pretty fucked up it sounds weird, but that was the only like real like gender conversation that I came upon <laughs> in any of this sod stuff. I that's interesting. It, um, I, I mean, not, obviously, it was a lot about gender, men and women, but not about like yes. binary, not about like the uh, spectrum of gender, not like acknowledging that that really exists. Well, it's interesting too because she talks about and like it's present in the books, like like homosexual sex is definitely a part of the book like it's not homosexual sex is a part of it yeah Yeah, and it's not considered weird it's not like it's it's weird like through justine's eyes because any kind of stuck up bitch (laughs) (laughs) she's such a stuck up bitch and she doesn't uh like all sex is sinful to her so she's a she is a prude and she's also like a traumatized child and She's never, like, had a chance to develop a healthy sexuality, so. And she couldn't anyway because she's, like, the most two-dimensional character in the world. And, like, none of his characters could have a chance to be normal. They're all sex robots. honestly do feel like the edition of the book that I read gave her a little bit more agency and credit. I think you did mention that, yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, I will also say that my version of the book is (laughs) the book that Angela Carter is referencing. Oh. In, um. I saw that she mentioned. I thought she mentioned all of them. She mentioned, well, when she summarizes Justine, she is talking about the 1964 edition and it has the framing device. And yeah, it does have that framing device that you had in yours. Yeah, which I really think adds like so much. Like having it be from her perspective is extremely 
important. Well, it makes it totally different because like we talked about last time, like mine is essentially a joke. Like this is like really short and it's just basically like a quick, dirty, fast joke. Yeah. And I feel like this is more I feel like Justine is like that like Alan Partridge of (laughs) 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 like it is a uh, it is a thoughtful complex piece (laughs) and then there's (laughs) and then there's at least one other version and Juliet and the story of Justine is also told again in Juliet it's just he wrote it it's like weird yeah so much of his work also doesn't survive so like any writer you know he is like making revisions and uh like rethinking and rewriting and uh, who knows like and he's in jail so um 120 days of sodom he had to like hide in like he like stuck it in the wall and then he died thinking that it disappeared and it was recovered you know, so so and he like re- he denied writing it his entire life. Like he died saying that he didn't write it. I read something different. I read I, that like he uh, that it was the thing like he went to his grave being like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Did I write this quote down? I I read in this that he denied it. 120 days of Sodom. Justine. Oh, 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 I was talking about, uh, yes, he did deny writing Justine, but, um, 120 days of Sodom, he like wanted to like that, like the, the thought of losing of that being lost to time, like caused him with great despair. That is so insane. That is crazy that that's what he thought. Cause I read all about that fucking book. I did too. I read the whole play by play. 120. That's not the one where the daughter rapes the mother. No, no, no. I think that's School of Love, The Education of a Female Oedipus, Philosophy in the Boudoir. That's Philosophy in the Boudoir, which was wild. Can you, uh, you, we, okay, Aggie, you and I had a phone call earlier today and you summarized Philosophy in the Boudoir as you understand it. And I had never heard of this before. And I was hoping that for our listeners, you could do that. Sure. I don't want to put you on the spot. No. Basically, from my understanding, it's about this woman or not a woman, a young girl who goes to a school called the School of Love. School and of Love. School of Rock. School of Rock. Jack Black <laughs> is her teacher and he's got an ace up his sleeve. <laughs> and it's called a boner. <laughs> Just kidding. Jack Black is not in it. This is from the 1700s. goes to a school of love and in the school of love they teach her how to have sex and her mother comes to get her and is pulls her out and won't let her have sex and the daughter is so enraged that she says come on mama i'm gonna teach you like a husband or treat you like a husband i'm gonna treat you like a husband and then she rapes her mother with a giant dildo makes her mother come wait a second spoiler alert what i'm just giving that for oh the come no i'm kidding she and like there are other guys around there too and then she points at her mother's coming face and she goes look at her eyes she's coming i know she's coming which is something about that is really haunting is like really upsetting to me and then she rapes her mother with a dildo the mother comes and she's like look she's coming and she's like and then she sews her mother's vagina back up and she's i'm gonna make sure i can't have any more brothers or sisters the sewing up also pops up in justine yeah and then she sends her back to her father and she goes off with her friends to just be a slut (laughs) Oh my god it's insane it's um 
yeah god the depravity of youth did you ever read any um yelenic uh she wrote the piano teacher uh and no. a book called wonderful wonderful times no she's a 20th century nobel prize winning um novelist from austria and she wrote books about um I guess uh, after World War II, Austrians did not address the horrors and their like participation in the war and just kind of were like, we're not going to talk about this. Where if you go to Berlin, there's like monuments. And yeah. Conversa- it's like such a big part of the culture. But I guess they did not do that in Austria. And it caused um, this, you know, like how secrets work. Like it caused this like sick uh buildup of like uh rage and um despair and uh you know like, like existential crisis kind of like what's happening in america <laughs> yeah kind of exactly what's happening, been in, america. happening in america yeah and yeah. like just like outbursts of violence and like ro- like groups of roving young people like attacking the elderly there's a book called wonderful wonderful times she wrote that is does not as the title would suggest, depict wonderful, wonderful times. I would say it's ironic as a title. The opposite of a wonderful, wonderful time. Yes, it's very like fucked up, sad. Why am I reading this time? But what you're describing, like that feeling is how I feel reading like Hubert Selby Jr. or like her books. Just um, wait, what feeling? Uh, the feel that like emptiness, like the, like nothing like that you could like rape your own mother and sew up her vagina and be like, bye, I'm going to hang out with my friends. Oh, that yeah. feels like oh. Requiem for a Dream to oh, me. Oh, yeah. See, Tim, I guess I'm just fucking insane because, well, I didn't read well, it. Well, I also, I, and you read the essay by Angela Carter. I did not read that essay and I didn't read the book. So we're just speculating. Yeah. And I didn't read a the plot. book, but to me, just having read like what I've read of like sod I to me it just reads like a game like how far can I push this and here's my philosophy and how hard can I make you see my philosophy yes I do think that that is what he does yeah and so like I just don't feel emotionally like impacted by any of his writing it's the same way that I don't really feel like, I don't feel scared at horror movies, like, no, I, either. either. It's, like, because I feel like I, I love wish them. I would. I love to feel even a little bit scared. Sometimes I feel, like, a little bit, like, oh, that's scary, but it's never, yeah, I don't know. I It's never really to the point that I really feel, I used to, as a kid, feel really scared of horror movies. Yeah, me too. And that is long gone. But, but I, it's all, like, it's fake. Like, we know that it's fake. I think, like, for it to really affect you, like, it has to... Like, it has to tap into something real and true. Yeah. And uh, I think that with Saad, even though, like, it is, it's so heightened. It's so, it's like Wiley Coyote. Like, it's like the Wiley yeah. Coyote of sex. Like, it's not yeah. based in or rooted in any kind of reality. But there is, like, a palpable feeling behind it. And it is an expression of the time and like how he's feeling and like there's like you feel like there's something deep and real and true in what he's saying even though it's like there's just so much absurdity piled on top of it and I feel like that is what 
I'm responding to. I am too, but I'm just responding it to it in the way you respond to like a joke, like a well-written joke, you know, where it's like, it's funny because it's true. Where Why you're am I like, so serious? I, I don't know. Why so serious? I guess I'm just like a total <laughs> joker fucking no, I'm god. I'm a joker. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. I just like, to me, it just, but I also like, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I to me, it's just it's not. Um, what he's talking about is real, and is sad and tragic. But it happens um, in like a safe and mundane way that we're all used to. So books like this will like snap you out of the like kind of fog you're in because humans can adapt to anything. So we can adapt to all kinds of fucked up situations and not even realize how messed up it is but then like somebody like this comes along and writes this totally crazy book and you're like yeah i shouldn't accept this treatment from my husband yeah i i i hope that that um i hope that that is the after effect of of this i i reading angela carter's book um the way that she approaches this, uh, she talks a lot about the male reader and like how the male reader was reading and interpreting this. And it made me think about like who actually had access to this book, who was reading, who was reading this in like the late 1700s. I mean, books were a luxury until, um, like the (laughs) thirties, like the 1930s, like people didn't really have books. Like, and I feel like it would have been a r- completely radical act for a woman to read a copy of this. I mean, most women were probably illiterate. Exactly. So uh, that like her writing about it in that way made me realize a bias that I had for all of the books that we read, which w- was that I always imagined that women were the target audience. <laughs> And that's because, like, I myself am a woman, but when I'm reading it, I I am not, like, imagining how a man is reading it or even this is the only book that we read that was written by a man. But even then, like, I didn't I didn't consider uh, I, I wasn't reading and thinking like, oh, I bet like, you know, a million men over time have jerked off to this. I mean, I don't know if I mean, maybe they've jerked off to it or maybe they've like taken it to heart in a way that I couldn't I felt like there was so much anger in this book and I don't think it was directed at women no I don't think so either I I actually think uh, can I say something very controversial sure I actually think that he respects women I think so too I mean I think that he well uh, (laughs) I think that theoretically he does and like I think in his writing he does obviously his actions in life were complicated yes uh but i think his writing but i i can separate the art from the artist if you've been dead for 250 years come on (laughs) we gotta at some point we gotta be able to do it we gotta be able but okay let me amend what i said i think that he um and i feel like this is radical for the time but i feel like i don't think that he sees women as different from men i think that to him women are capable of pleasure, of violence, of, um, like, ethics, of uh, depravity. Like, all. I think that, like, the human 
animal is equal to him. I think that he is occupied with power structures and dynamics. And I think that it's like, who's stronger, who's weaker. Men are stronger. Women are weaker. Rich people are stronger. Poor people are weaker. Like, I think that it is, I think that his divisions are more, um, like esoteric than they are, like just based on gender. Yeah, I don't think that he has a problem with I don't think he has a problem with anybody. I think his point of view is who dominates who and like that's yes. the order of nature is like there's a dominant and a submissive, which is Yeah, and nature doesn't give a fucking shit about what you think about it. It doesn't matter about your gender. It's not because of your gender, it's because I'm stronger. That's it. It's not because of like class issues, it's because I'm richer. That's where my power comes from. That's what he's and he's right. Yeah, he is. To an extent, he's right, especially about the class issue, like especially about money. And I think that there is like a contempt for that in his writing. He's condemning the it's it's antagonistic towards the reader. Yeah, I think that it is uh, supposed to be punishing to the reader. And to think about a man as the reader of his book that like if that's the do you think that's the intended audience? I think. I don't know. I think that this is like, I think he's like Toni Morrison and he's like the book that I wanted didn't exist. So I wrote it. Like, I think he's just like, (laughs) I think he's just like crazy and just like, I want to write this. Like I'm nuts. I hate everybody. I'm antisocial. I'm like, a fucking Gretchen Rubin rebel, which I also am. But like, was he antisocial and did he hate everybody? Because he, whatever his relationship with his wife was, whatever their, whatever their arrangement was, it was bad. And he, and he totally abused her psychologically and, uh, separated her from her mother, mocked her. Like they had like a notoriously bad relationship. He had a relationship with his valet, There was like a man who I think he was sleeping with his valet. Yes. And he was the bottom and like one of his one of his things was like he loved. Well, he loved getting fucked in the ass, but he loved getting fucked in the ass while he was also fucking someone else in the ass. And he loved getting whipped while someone was also whipping him. Yes. He liked a chain. He liked a chain reaction, a real human centipede. I think he was like pansexual. I think so too. And I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's hard. Did you ever read any, um, oh God, what is his name? I read Jean Genet. Have you ever read any of him? I read, uh, The Maids. Yeah, the mazes. And I read there's like another book that there's another play that's in the book with the maids that I read as like one book, but I just remember the maids. I did the maids in high school also with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he uh oh I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, it was Yeah. Um he, That was a scam, that whole performance I did. Sorry, go on. <laughs> a grift. A grift. Did you grift him? Yeah, I did. Um uh, please hammer don't grift him. <laughs> what's that from please hammer don't hurt him never mind who's Hammer? mc hammer can he hurt you with his power of dance yeah 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 it's like please please don't hurt him just perform for him wow and i'm like aggie don't grift him okay um jean Genet uh was also imprisoned for like obscenity and for being homosexual and he wrote um 
he wrote a book called Our Lady of the Flowers. Yeah. And uh, I put this on my Amazon wish list a few years ago. My dad sent it to me. <laughs> and it's like written in the late 1800s. And it, I mean, the first like 20 pages is just a very detailed description of him just like jerking off and like thinking about all the things that like make him come. Oh, really? Yeah. It just feels it feels like there's a if if I if like okay here's what she says a free woman in an unfree society will be a monster but I don't think that that's limited to a woman I think a free person in an unfree society will be a monster and like what does a monster look like and how do they act and if you are freer than the world that you live in like you are a monster and you need to be put in a cage and like if the only outlet that you have is your creative expression and writing like why wouldn't you go as hard as you could and just be like Fuck you. You think I'm psycho? Here well, you go. I, I don't think that Marquis de Sade was crazy. Do you know anything about St. Francis of Assisi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was a really wealthy party boy. He was the patron saint of animals. Yes, he was. But before that, he was um, a very wealthy, like, aristocratic son of wealthy merchants in Assisi. <sighs> And he partied hard and he drank and he womanized and he did whatever. And then he uh, drunkenly wandered off into the wilderness one night and he was like, oh, my God. And he literally, oh, my God, <laughs> stripped down to nothing, communed with nature. I think maybe he did m some mushrooms. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like he did mushrooms. And he was like in midsummer he was midsummer <laughs> and uh he came back to the town and he was like i get where animals are coming from now i love him that yeah. is so cool he's amazing he is like truly he's he's a great he he's one of the great like saints, saints? <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think except that's for saint lucy who like gets her eyes cut out oh, but God. there's all that fun stuff but uh yeah saint francis he was a little party boy and uh turned his life around it's sort of like interesting to think about him as um like the flip side of a marquis de sade what are the books about saints called like a hegogogy or something hegogogy um that's a word i'm not familiar with do you have any idea what i'm talking about yeah hegography what the fuck is the fucking word? Because there's a fucking quote that you made from this book that you just made me think of, but I can't. I know it when I see it, but honey, I cannot say it. Uh, you know, I was confirmed and I uh, you have to pick a um, saint and I picked Natalie Portman. She's not a saint. <laughs> She's also Jewish. She's Jewish. And they were like, there is no Saint Natalie. And it, this was like before the priest was about to bless me. And then I was like, uh, they said, there's a Saint Natalia. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. Oh, my uh, God. Hey, geography. Hey, geography. The study of the lives of saints. That's right. Anyway, in this book, she's like you get the same thing from a hagiography hey or a book of pornography or seeing someone like Marilyn Monroe um, because wow. all you want to do is see them in compromising positions. <sighs> Essentially. That's a, that's not exactly the quote, but basically <laughs> what she said. And um, I thought that comparing those was like so insane. That is insane. They, they are, I mean, they are our saints Picture in a way. Books and yeah. Should we, um, 
zoom our focus out and think about like the entire breadth of the yeah, genre want, that we've taken in. Do you want to get to our questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, Let's get to it. our questions. Okay. So this uh, this episode, we've um, w- this is like our summation, our conclusion on uh, the subject of erotica. And like we've been following a very specific line backwards in time. Uh, and all of the stories have in common. Um, it's like a, kind of a, a young, naive woman who ends up being indoctrinated into a life of submission. Yeah. And then has some sort of spiritual rebirth or, in the case of the Marquis de Sade, gets struck by lightning through her mouth and out of her vagina, <laughs> depending on who wrote the book. But then it was always him. It was always him. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know I meant like in Fifty Shades of Grey or like Anne Rice. Or like, that's what I meant. Yeah, oh, yes. Uh, OK, so um, of Fifty Shades, um, Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, Story of O, Justine, what was your favorite? My favorite was Justine. I love Justine. I truly like can't wait to read this book again. Like I want to read everything by the Marquis de Sade. I think it's like funny and smart and mean and crazy and like provocative. And it makes me like it. It has this amazing like physical reaction. Like it churns my stomach and gives me goosebumps. And it is so visceral and it makes me so mad. And it's from so long ago I just I have such a personal connection I feel such a personal connection to it when I'm reading it because it's so um it's just so vile it's so extreme that I kind of get shocked into responding to it and I I love it I completely agree I it is by far my favorite there's so much to this book there's so much to chew on. There's so much to talk about and think about. And yeah. there's no right answer to any of it. Like, um, and I actually have a follow-up question for you oh. about this because the uh, we're recording this after, um, like, we're, we're a few episodes ahead. So uh, we just released the episode on The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, which I yeah. listened to on Monday when it came out. And uh, now it's Thursday and we're recording this. And one of the things that we talk about in that episode is like, can pornography be art? And uh, there was, you were making the point that Oscar Wilde presented that um, art should not serve a function, that it should be frivolous. Like in the, uh, yeah, in the preface of Picture of Dorian Gray, he says, and then he like follows it up with like some letters, like basically that like, Art serves no function, so, like, art exists to set a mood, but it doesn't um, set out to um, cause a specific reaction or it doesn't set out to do any specific thing. So, with that in mind and, like, considering the conversation that we had about it, do you think that, A, this is pornography, Y or N, and do you think that this is art? Um, I think it's definitely art. I mean, I think that if it was ever designed to like be pornographic, it was so also like political. It was also so like um, philosophical and it was so it was it was so such a visceral expression of like 
rage and disgust above all else. Like I didn't feel like it was about anything. I feel like at its core, that's what it was. It was like an emotion coming out of the pages. And I was like, this is, and did you ever think that sometimes that emotion was horny? Honestly, not really. I kind of felt like the sex in it was so detached and so like, also, like, I mean, I, I, whether it made anyone else horny, I don't know. Whether the Marquis de Sade was horny writing it, I assume yes. But, like, to me, it was all, like, it was just all um, serving a function of, like, showing punishment or dominance. And, and that those are the only two things that exist in the world. And I feel like that was the point of every sex scene over horniness over anything else like that was the that was the main message I got from it I totally agree I think that this is definitely art I also think that I do think that the intention was also to be pornographic and I think that he gets to have his cake and eat it too yeah to be very French about it mm-hmm. I think that um this turned him on to write and yeah. I think that he probably jerked off the whole time he was writing it yeah even I, like in those philosophical screeds that like last several <laughs> pages I think he also was horny thinking of like how pissed off everybody was gonna get reading it like uh, I think 100%. that was part of it too like his whole thing. I think that he gets off on blasphemy I think he I think that everything in here well she it, writes how like all of his characters like when they have an orgasm they just blast scream blasphemy <laughs> like that's it <laughs> like that's like the that's the ultimate sexual expression is blasphemy <laughs> i mean at a certain point what's the difference between blasphemy and praise no that's a good point no. i mean i guess if it's like if it's the marquee decide it's always blasphemy it's always blasphemy <laughs> just trust me <laughs> uh but i i do think that he um I do think that like uh, he he was yeah he I think that he he's one of these rare people who gets to have it both ways he's like totally repugnant and also like intellectual and thoughtful and like pornographic and base and like vile and um, also like weirdly thoughtful and like it's it it walks a lot of lines and it also references a lot of. Um, like the idea of like the picaresque novel like this yeah. character like on some kind of journey encountering different <laughs> figures like uh, like a rogue um protagonist he, like he's employing he's employing like the trends of the time to spin it and tell like his own transgressive story yeah you know what it reminds me of this might sound really stupid but Palahniuk? chuck Palahniuk. fight club uh, not that uh, he wrote this book of short stories like years ago is when I first moved to Chicago. He had this one story in it that was like famous because it would like people would be like throwing up in the aisle when he read it. I uh, wanted to read this book and I went to the um, I went to the telling of it. And it's the story of a kid who fucks the jets on his parents swimming pool what oh and or he wants to fuck like the pool hose like there's some weird thing like he goes underwater and like does something sexual in the pool and it ends up going the the hose like goes up his asshole while he's masturbating and it like sucks him inside out basically like and it's like incredibly grotesque and he wrote it to be 
like a dick like there's nothing you know what I mean it's like there was the thing about it was like an exercise in like the most graphic imagery he could possibly write to me like works like that there's always been like a level of catharsis that I really enjoy yes I completely agree and I I for one like really respond to transgressive stuff me too I uh I really like value it I I like it I I don't um think I don't uh, like agree with any kind of repression of it. I think like art is the right place to express the taboo and yeah. like go there. Like, please go there in I your writing it. and like, don't become a killer. I love it in art. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that people often don't respond to, which is fine. But then there are like calls sometimes to like censor that stuff because it can be so extreme. So that was our favorite. Also, do we think it's art? Okay. Um, which do you think was the best? Maybe this is the same answer. I mean, it's the same answer. Really. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's like head and shoulders above the others. I mean, I think. What's your runner up? Storyvo. Me too. I mean, Storyvo is also like a good book. This is a great book. And then the other two, the, then the Anne Rice one is unreadable. And then the, <laughs> the Fifty Shades of Grey is just like a kind of shitty, like mass market paperback book. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead. Cause this is where maybe you and I, um, let, well, I have a follow up question. Sure. Do you think the story of O would have existed without the marquee? No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think it's like definitely like I think even when it came out, people were like, she's the female sod. And like, I think yeah. that was uh, and I feel like the point of it was to say, like, guess what? I like it. And like, I'm not like other girls. I fucking drink whiskey and I like, you know what I mean? I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. I played pool. That book has um, aged differently in my mind. Well, that was definitely not my what I thought about it until just now. <laughs> I yeah. Until like after Justine, where I'm like, wait a second. Like if she really is writing this as like a spiritual sequel to Justine, then that kind of changes my opinion of the book. Maybe she's the Juliet who fell in love and was like, I need to be punished. I think she's the Justine. I think she because Juliet wouldn't write the book. She would have like fucking killed the guy and then like <laughs> killed her own children and then like just fucking f fucked a king and gotten rich and then killed him and started a casino, which I just, just Juliet also does. When I have thought back on Story of O, something that we didn't talk about in the episode was um, the scenes of like her courting other women and her. Yeah. Oh, like, we didn't really talk about that. Yeah. No, we didn't really go there. Like, because I do feel like her lesbianism is like such a huge part of that book and yeah. her like I feel like she fell in love and she got her heart broken and she suppressed it by turning her attention to this man and then letting him just dominate her because she felt so bad yeah but then she also becomes like completely obsessed with the Sir Stephen, I think his name is in that book. Yeah, because he's meaner, and she feels but, she feels so fucking and, bad. But she keeps coming back to him, and then like finally she like kills herself because of him. Like she's like upset. Like that's the love of her life, and the women that she's seducing, um, she's attracted to them, but she's also procuring them for these men and her main interest is in like serving these guys yes in like the like uh progressive narrative of the story but the in the flashbacks where it's describing like the women that she always liked that she would like open doors and she would pay and that like the types of women that she liked without the presence of the male gaze and the more I thought about it, I thought about like her procuring the women and like the performative lesbian acts that she would have in front of like these dominators. Like it is a way for her to uh, 
perform her lesbianism in a way that is also punishing for her and the object of her affection. And I, I, it it, like, it all got really twisted around and it's like, this is about, how is it punishing for her? Because she is taking something that I think is sacred for her and, uh, putting it on display and perverting it and doing it for like doing it in a presentational manner for, men who are who she's a slave to okay i mean i don't know i could be way wrong well there's probably no right or wrong it's just what you get out of it i guess that's what i get out of it yeah that's great well okay what was the hardest for you to read the hardest one to read for me was definitely Anne rice's sleeping beauty book one i was so gnarly I thought it was um, well. It had the le- the thinnest story, which I think was like the thing that kept me coming back to all of these other books, including Justine. <laughs> well, maybe not Justine, but definitely the other two. Where like, you know, at least there was something to get emotionally involved with. Like, where are they going now, and what's going to happen, and is he going to dump her? Um, but the. I thought that there was like almost no story in uh, the Sleeping Beauty book and it was only sex scenes with also like so the sex scenes were I think even at their worst not as bad as the stuff in Sod. Yes. But I felt like there was a relentless quality. It just never stopped and I was just like I fucking can't go on with this. It's so boring and I just hate this. Yeah, I uh, I to- I totally agree. However, I have to say that for me, the hardest to read, Fifty Shades. Yeah, why? I just, <laughs> I just thought it was so boring. Yeah, I just couldn't get into it. You just thought it was too boring. I thought it was too boring. And you guys out there, all in podcast land, I rented the movie. And I tried to watch it three times and I literally kept falling asleep. I get it. I mean, like, I feel like it's like really like it, it, it's like definitely like the second worst written book to me. You think um, the first worst written Well, worst written, I don't know. I mean, like, how do we define if something's well-written or not? It was, like, the more... It was the second most torturous book to read, I'll say that. It was, like... I it was enjo- punishing. I enjoyed it the second least. What is your ranking of enjoyment? Uh, what do you mean? One to ten? Uh, I mean, like, from the books. Like, oh, so it's, read, like, like, one to four. Okay, so lowest is Anne Rice. Second is Fifty Shades. Third is O. Fourth, top, or first, depending on how you look at it. The winner, Justine. Yeah, uh, we're pretty close. My number, my favorite, Justine. Second story, of, I mean, chronological order. Third was the Sleeping Beauty book, and then fourth was Fifty Shades. Yeah. I just, I wish that I, I... I don't know. Like, uh, you got an audiobook. Yeah, I got I wish an, that I had well, gotten an audio because it was also really long. So like, Just I was long. reading it, and then I had this thing where I could like add audiobook to it or something. So I did, and so like I could double up, and then it got like even funnier. Because to me, the whole thing was like so funny. Like I enjoyed it. Like I, I love to hear you talk about it. Like I love shit like that. I love Lifetime movies. I love VC Andrews. I love Twilight. I love reading crappy, shitty romance. Like I love this stuff. I mean. Fifty Shades makes V.C. Andrews look like a Nobel laureate. I mean, n- not 
not through my eyes, but that's because I am fucked up, I guess. But also like the VCS is a good writer. The uh the the um audiobook part of it which I was like also like by the end like listening to like while I was doing the dishes on like double speed trying to get through this fucking because it's like over 500 pages long yeah. and we gave ourselves like one week, week to read it and I think like you I was like oh this is probably going to be like a 250 page book and it's going to be like really a breeze and so stupid and Not then true. it was so long and I was like oh my god this is never going to end so once I got the audiobook it was funny because the the woman who did the voice when the reading of it when she talked as Christian Grey would be like hey baby and it was like I was like this is the perfect way to get to consume this media like listening to this like oh my god I wish I had done that female voice artist trying to be like yo like do you want to go to my room of pleasure or whatever I was like this is so good but um I also read it I also was like you know as a twilight scholar definitely like (laughs) picking up on a lot and like looking for crossover and uh, to me I just what can I say I like I find it very interesting which of our books would you recommend um I would think I would recommend different books to different people like I probably wouldn't recommend any of them to strangers strangers or even like most of my friends like I think a lot of people like I have recommended Justine to several people but those are people that like I know really well I know their point of view I know that they have a certain tolerance like we've talked about watching and reading other things that would be like really distasteful to some I would recommend if I had, if I knew someone who was like, I want to read like a fun, sexy romance novel and I read a lot, I would definitely recommend Fifty Shades of Grey to like a general romance head out there. But <laughs> I'm sure anyone who is in that, like fits in that category has read it several times, knows more about it than I would, I do. And then like, I think the one that I would recommend to like an average like the one I'd be most likely to recommend to like the most general audience would be the story of O because yeah, that's the one that I think has the most um, like normal, like literary quality to it. Like it yeah, reads it's a full, like a, it's a novel. It's a novel. It's not like a trashy, like bodice ripper paperback, like 50 and shades. it's not like the ramblings of, a, you know, an, a maniac in an insane asylum, of, in in a, like an aristocrat in, in an insane asylum. And it's also not like book one of like a 700 page treatise on like showing the world how fucked up of a writer you can be <laughs> and how Catholic and sexual you are. And for that reason, I would recommend Marquis to <laughs> that. If you want that, I would also, yeah, that would be Marquis. But I feel like, I mean, I'm talking, I- I'm thinking like you're at a bar, you're having a conversation. What do you recommend? I feel like 10 out of 10, if that's the scenario, 10 out of 10, I'm recommending Marquis to you know what? I feel like that's definitely the one that like if I'm at a bar having a conversation, that's the one I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And I'd be like, read it and then let's talk again. Yeah. I just I know for a fact that I have friends who I could never tell to read this book. I know that I also for a fact have those friends as well. And to them, I would say uh, don't read any of these books. I, I mean, if you must Fifty Shades. <laughs> I mean, it's basically just about a lady who like gets a guy to buy her a nice car. <laughs> That's all it's about. <laughs> okay, with that in mind, what would you ban? 
your book ban or your fashion. I mean, what are you I shutting wouldn't down. I wouldn't ban any of them. But if I had to ban one, I guess I would probably ban Fifty Shades of Grey. Really? Yeah. I mean, Why? Fifty Shades of Grey is like by far the most dangerous, I think. Why? That's the book that. OK, so like uh, Justine is like. So all these books are like spiritual sequels to each other. We're imagining. And yes. Justine is the character, the, who, granddaddy. the granddaddy. But the character Justine is like this permanent victim, totally committed to virtue. Uh, her sister, Juliet, is the one who's committed to vice and who gets so gets rewarded for it. And then those two ideas get bounced around. Uh, Juliet falls off for a long time. It's just Justine. She's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, she learns some of the lessons of Juliet, which is use your sexuality to get what you want. And that gets fucked up in her brain where it turns into the measure of your self-worth is through things that you own. So like the Marquis de Sade's original idea of like, in nature, you're only as powerful as you are strong, and that's determined by who overpowers who, and that's it. So that idea has been internalized along with the idea that, like, the perfect woman is completely submissive. And so it's just about how, like, through submission you will get what you want, and it's, like, essentially, like, propaganda for living in a, like, truly, and I this is the second time I've said this word on this podcast but like a neoliberal society where like um like consuming is valued above all and it's sent presented to you under the guise of freedom um but consumerism is the most important thing and that's how you value love and success and that's even how you evaluate your sex like the sex that you're having the most intimate personal connection yes. you can have with another person is completely um like commodified um in 50 shades of gray and the eroticism is the capitalism like the extreme capitalism is what's erotic about christian gray and the power that he has and her figuring out a way to take it for herself is the sexual charge of those books and it teaches women a horrific lesson so I think it's really great. I love reading it. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking insane. I don't know that most people would walk away with that. I also feel like the people that are reading this, maybe I, I just feel like the philosophy of the book is the most dangerous. I wouldn't ban any of them. Of course, I'm opposed no, to banning books. No, I love this book. Too. I'm grateful that I read it. I own it. I I would never ban any book. But if I had to ban one, I would at least ban it from like a high school library. Oh, I would ban, yeah, I would ban that from a high school library, too. But I feel like none of these books should be in a high school library. Justine. In a high school library? It was in my grandma's library. That's not a high school, girl. I read it in high school. That's not a high school library. That's where you should read it. You should be sneaking these books from unexpected places. You shouldn't find them in your high school library. My high school library? Am I a book banner? I guess so. I No, I'm, um... Concerned I'm, citizen. I'm a concerned citizen, and I feel like uh, I'm all about access. Get out there. Get it. Read a freaky thing. Let it freak you out. It's not going to hurt you. It's only an idea. Um, but I do think that we should not be actively corrupting the youth. It's only dangerous in how it, like, teaches young girls to think about themselves. 
sexually. You're like, talking about Justine? I'm talking about I'm, any of these books. Like, the only danger... But also how men treat women yeah i guess i'm just like totally just like seeing it from like my own point of view like i feel like i consumed like every single thing that i consumed when i was in high school i took i took it the absolute wrong way and i thought it was all in like you're saying instructional i thought it was all instructional i would not have known what the fuck was going on with justine like i think i luckily i was also stupid and i just thought justine was like really boring and like i was like this isn't about sex and that was kind of it because the sex is like dry and it takes a minute to get there. And I was just like, who cares? Yeah. And it's all like expressed through poetics. It's like. And it's like also really boring. Like there's like always like a long philosophical speech from like some like monk or something about like the. Like I thought that was the fun The parts. role of man in nature. Those were the good parts. I'm Those saying if you're a teenage parts. girl who's like, I'm re- trying to find a book about sex. You're like, wait a yeah, second. You no. should not read that. You should be reading Cosmo or just like whatever. Do you have any other questions? Do we want to talk about our next series? Yes, I would love to talk about okay, our next series. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have a grand announcement for you. Okay. We are going to be switching gears. This is our final episode on Erotica. We've said it 12,000 times. And next week, we are going to be bringing you... A hot new topic from a hot old man. It's Robert De Niro. We're talking about Robert De Niro. Bobby D. Bobby D. Bobby De Niro. We're going to be visiting the films that made the icon. And the films that brought him down. <laughs> Actually, nothing brought, nothing can no, bring nothing Bobby can, De Niro down. No way. But he's been in some weird movies. So we're going to be watching everything. We're going to be watching the high highs. And the low lows. We're not going to watch everything, but we're going to watch a lot of it. Yeah, and we're going to be here next week talking about it. Next week, only one week. Wow. I felt like we had longer. We don't. All right. So in one week from today, you are going to hear our sweet asses. Shifting gears, we're gonna say see you later, Sad. Bye bye, Story of O. Au revoir, Sleeping Beauty. And fuck you, Fifty Shades of Grey. We are fucking in the Nero town. Yeah, that's right. Ciao, Bella, bitch. And you're gonna love it. So thank you so much for listening to our our fucking sex ass erotica series yes thank you so much for listening to our sex ass erotica series and we hope that this has been an educated ride i know that you learned a lot we did too we learned more than we wanted to i wish i knew less i also truly wish i knew less we all got our and the marquee decide fucking went into an insane asylum and wrote 700 pages about how much he loves farting prostitutes he really did love it he would feed them bad stuff and he would poison women to make them fart i mean come on that's a joke right i mean the guy was he was the talk about the joker he (laughs) get his fucking old ass corpse to play to take joaquin phoenix's role oh my god talk about fucking incels okay anyway all right we gotta go he literally was in a cell okay bye that's it (laughs) okay five stars okay please rate us five stars bye Just the expert on this one Yeah, you know